Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you for answering our prayers. And Lord, we're thankful that we don't even need to uh, share the specific request or specific answers. But Lord, we can rejoice one with another, knowing that, Lord, as we have prayed many times, even for unspoken requests, we can see that the Lord was working and we can rejoice in the answers to prayer. We thank you for the faithfulness of our people on visitation the tracks that are being passed out, and Lord, visitors that are coming. We're thankful for those that are involved in the discipleship right now. And Lord, we're thankful for your work in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We will see you later. Uh, If you need an outline for tonight, we're going to start a new series. We just finished going through the Gospels in stories in, in our Sunday school time. And it has been quite a while since we have just gone through uh, all four Gospels. And what we're, what we're going to try to do is give a systematic harmony of the Gospel record, uh, just so everybody understands where we are going and coming from, is we have a fourfold testimony or account of the life of Christ. We have the testimony of Matthew and Mark and John, uh, Matthew and John were disciples. Mark, uh, we believe, is the John Mark. Uh, he has mentioned the night Jesus was arrested as the young man that was wrapped in the cloth and they grabbed the cloth and the young man fled. That was John Mark. And uh, he was also the one that went with Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey and he got to the first place, and decided he'd had enough and went back home. And yet we have the Apostle Paul and his later letters saying, make sure that John Mark knows, bring him to me, uh, that he is in the ministry. And then Luke was the physician, the companion of Paul. And Luke more than likely came uh, later on, and as he was traveling with Paul, and evaluated and collected all this information and gave us uh, his account. But we believe that each of these men spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So really there is only one source of information. Though Peter and John were eyewitnesses, uh, um, I mean, sorry, Matthew and John were eyewitnesses, Mark, Uh, Most people believe that he got most of his information from the Apostle Peter. And uh, Luke was one of those research guys. He went around and he collected uh, all of the information. But we believe that the Holy Spirit was giving them what to write. Uh, I got an email from Alan. Some of you might remember him. And uh, pray for Alan. He's going through a lot still physically, and he keeps saying, I'm going to get back to church. So you just pray for him, uh, that God would uh, work in his life and allow him to do that. But uh, he said, uh, he sent me an email and was talking about the times. Well, John actually gives time in one reckoning. Matthew gives another. The Jewish had their way of keeping time. The Romans had another way of keeping time. And so if you're not careful, it appears that there's lots of contradictions in the gospel message. In fact, um, depending on who 
you read in all of these different things, you'll, you'll find that some people will take different stories and put them together and that ought to be separate, and other people will take stories that ought to uh, be separate and put them together. But what we're going to try to do is just walk our way through. And I will tell you one of the reasons I chose to start this right now is simply because tonight we're going to be reviewing In the Beginning Was the Word. Uh, can't do any better Christmas time next uh, Sunday night by uh, God's grace. We'll be dealing with the genealogies and all of the events uh, prior to the birth of Christ. Then the next Sunday night is Christmas Sunday night. We'll be in Riverhead. And uh, then we'll have our Christmas Eve service, and and then just before New Year's Eve, we'll be uh, continuing. But uh, it'll probably, uh, looking over the notes, it'll probably take us up until June or July uh, to work our way the whole way through the Gospels. We're we're not going to skip anything. We're going to cover every chapter, every verse of all four Gospels. Uh, in our time together here, and hopefully we'll keep this series on Sunday nights. But what we're going to do is we're going to start at the beginning. The, the, these are called the Gospels according to Matthew, the Gospel according to Mark, the Gospel according to Luke, the Gospel according to John. The Gospel, the word Gospels just simply means good news. And if you really stop and think about it, what other good news do you have? I mean, we, we think that, wow, things are really improving. And just about the time they start improving, then something else comes out. Uh, and uh, so what we need to understand is we do have the good news. But the gospel is not God's plan B. If you would listen to some theologians, they would say, well, God started in the Garden of Eden and offered man eternal life and man turned it down. No. God started in the Garden of Eden and offered man a choice between righteousness and unrighteousness, between holiness and sin. And what did man choose? Sin. Uh, by the way, uh, don't get too upset at Adam and Eve. Because every one of us in the room have followed in their footsteps and have chosen evil all on our own now, didn't we? You know what? No one, I've, I've not had to ever teach one of my children how to tell a lie. They just seem to come by it naturally. I've never had to teach them to be selfish so they could learn what being kind is. Uh, they already seem to know that for some reason. You know Why? It's called a sin nature, being born in the likeness of Adam. And every one of us have dealt with that in our own lives. If God's given you children, you don't have to teach anybody how to sin. Uh, does anybody remember the mimes years and years ago that visited our church for a little while? Uh, that, may, that was before most of your times, praise God. Uh, but... Uh, there was a youth group, and I, I knew the youth pastor's father, actually. And so when he called me and wanted to come to New York City, it was like one of those things, well, uh, now I just would have told him no, uh, but uh, uh, because they didn't really understand. And he came up and explained, and he said, where, 
we're going to use mimes because it's such a powerful form of drama. No, it's just creepy. All right? Uh, uh, my kids use that word way too much, but no, mimes are, are creepy. Would you agree with me on that? I mean, somebody's going to dress all in black and paint their face white or however they do that. The ones that really freaked me out was we were at um, Statue of Liberty one time, and the guy had a black uh, face that went over his leotard or whatever it was, and a white mask, and he took the mask and put it on the back of his head and was going like backwards, and it looked like he was going frontwards, only he wasn't going frontwards. He was actually going back. It was weird. Um, I, I'm just no fan of that stuff. If you, and, and he was getting down to the bottom of the illustration. He said, but it'll teach your people about sin. And I remember looking at this fellow few years younger than me, and I said, don't you know where you are? He said, yeah, I'm in New York City. Do you think anybody here that lives in this city actually needs to understand more about sin? I said, they need to understand about Jesus. And he goes, but that's in there too. I said, buddy, you just shot yourself in the head, not the foot. Uh, we we don't want the emphasis on learning about sin. We want the emphasis on learning about Jesus. Amen? Every one of us knows all we need to know about sin. But I want to challenge you. The gospel was not plan B. It was plan A. God had it set up from the beginning. Before he ever said, let there be light, that there would be a manger in Bethlehem. There would be a cross. There would be an empty tomb. And I hope as we say those things, we don't go a whole lot for symbolism around here. But I do want you to know we believe in the empty cross, not the crucifix. There's a difference. And we believe in an empty tomb. And it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives us the water of life, that gives us life. Amen? And so we do have some symbolism in in just the way we built the auditorium here. But as we start here in John chapter 1, we have this little section here. Uh, I just call it uh, the, the beginning and the summary of the gospel. And it says, in the beginning was. Now, verb tenses are very, very important because they help us understand the form and the timing of the action. Oftentimes, you will t- I will tell one of my children, I want such and such a job done or there are repercussions that are coming. Oh. Uh, that means if I don't get busy now, something bad is about to happen to me. Uh, there, there is that sense of foreboding, and, and in order to get rid of that, I get moving now. And, and it usually works, and, and uh, gets the problem solved and, and the job done. But here we have, in the beginning, was. Now, 
we would might say if you're an English teacher, uh, that that might not be the exact correct way to tense all of the verbs, but the point is, this is not a grammatical lesson. This is a theological truth. Jesus already was before the beginning began. That's what the author is trying to tell us. See, the Jehovah's Witnesses love to uh, play with the words in this passage. And, and they just like to change things. But it says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was already in the beginning. And by the way, what was the beginning? Genesis chapters 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And by the way, don't look for a gap between Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. That, that is just an attempt by people trying to figure out how we can make the Bible agree with false science. Uh, there are not the billions and billions and billions of years. Um, anybody who would pay attention to these things would know that could not be possible. You know, when we sent our men to the moon for the first time, they had, uh, does anybody remember the picture of the lunar module? It had those great, big, wide pads. Do you know what those were for? Because they were afraid that the moon was covered with so much dust that the weight of the lunar module might go right down, sink into the dust, and suffocate our astronauts, and they'd never be able to uh, take off again. And so they put these great big landing pads there like snowshoes to distribute the weight of the lunar module so that if there was a hundred feet of dust on the moon, like they figured if it were actually billions of years old, that our astronauts might be able to rest the lunar module on the dust uh, on those big pads. Does anybody know how deep the dust was on the moon when the astronauts got there? About six inches. You know what? Someone actually, it's called the Roberts Pointing Theory of Particle Movement in the Atmosphere. And, and they worked out this whole scientific uh, mathematical equation explaining the movement of loose particles. Uh, not only the great big asteroids, but little dust and all of that. And it all works out to about 6,000 years. Less than 10, that's for sure. You know what? That's what the Bible says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and then God gives us a close-up of how He began. Let there be light. How many of you are glad for light? It would be hard to read your Bibles if we didn't have light in our auditorium. You know what? I am really happy with these new uh, uh, LED bulbs. How many of you even know we changed to LED bulbs? Uh, it, uh, Andrew got on the horn and found them for $9 a piece. I said, call the company and see what they'll do. We paid less than five, I think, right? Four. Uh, I like that. And, and uh, we've actually saved... The price of the bulbs in the first month we put them in there. 
uh, we've cut our electric bill, $500 a month. And so that's pretty cool. Amen? Light. It's important. It was so important, we were paying a lot of money for it until they made light bulbs big enough. But, you know, we know how to make light. We know how to do all kinds of things with light. But we still can't explain it. That's what God created. He made light and darkness different. We'll get to that in just a minute. Revelation 3.14, in the letter to the Laodicean church, Jesus introduces himself as the beginning of the creation of God. And the Jehovah's Witnesses love that verse. They say, see, see, Jesus was the first thing created. He's the beginning of the creation of God. Well, get out your little red buzzer and push it loud and hard because that's not what it's saying. It's saying Jesus is the source. He is the beginning. Creation begins with Jesus. And how do we know that? Well, let's read the next verse. Let's finish here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Meaning, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That is implied that Jesus is a separate person of the triune God, separate from the Father, But then it says, and the Word was God. How many of you have ever said, wow, I am so hungry. And somebody says, well, hello there, hungry. What is, uh, my name is, I mean, we do that joke. But when we, when you use that being verb, what you're doing is you're equating the subject and the object. They are equal. I am hungry. Meaning that, uh, uh, that is my main concern right now. That is the only thing I'm feeling. And once I get that solved, then we'll work on another complaint, right? Isn't that the way we work through life? And, and uh, uh, But it says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. God the Father. God the Son. The Word was God. One God. And then it says, the same was In the beginning, with God. You see, no change in state. Jesus did not become this. And people have tried to explain God all kinds of weird ways. Someone talked about three gods swimming in the primordial pool of eternity past. And they came together and formed themselves. If God ever formed himself or changed, he wouldn't be God. God did not fight his way to the top of the stack. Uh, you have all of these stories in, uh, in Greek mythology about the gods and the Egyptians and the Babylonians. And yet, as we've reviewed so many times, they seem awful human to me. How about to you? The gods of the Greeks and all of these other, they do the same things we do. The God of the Bible wasn't that way. The same yesterday, today, and forever. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. God is the source of creation. The Word is the Creator. 
There is nothing that we know of that we have in creation that was not made by the Lord Jesus Christ. Man all the time talks about uh, creating this and creating that. We, we really don't create anything. We rearrange things that we already have. What is music? Well, music is taking notes and timing and tones and putting them together. And you can get quite a variety uh, of music. And that's what man does. He reshapes, he takes things, but man has never made anything new. Uh, he claims to have reassembled atoms and made a new element and, and and all of these. But no, he's still taking what already is and making something out. Here is the difference between God and man. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. This is the difference between God and man. Life has to come from somewhere. Life never comes from death. You cannot take uh, all of these stories about... How many of you are familiar with the term of biogenesis? That means the spontaneous forming of life. They did a bunch of, of experiments, actually in the 1950s, I believe they were, and... They, uh, they were able to get some type of little reaction in forming the first step of a ribonucleic acid. It takes thousands of RNAs to make up one DNA, and it takes a gazillion DNAs to make up one cell. And so they had, they had accidentally constructed the first step. And they said, see here, it's possible. Well, the only problem was it was all faked. Because there's this thing in our atmosphere called oxygen. And it kills all of those little recumbent RNA and DNA things. And uh, so they did it in a methane atmosphere and didn't tell anybody. And you pick up the, the, the evolutionary textbooks today and they'll quote this same experiments that they did when I was in school as evidence for a biogenesis, and none of it's true, not one bit. But you know where life came from? It came from God. God said, let there be light. God breathed into man, and he became a living soul. And if we'll stop, verse 4 says, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. You know, we, we're not gonna, I'm not going to re-preach a sermon on light versus darkness tonight, but what do we look, like? what do we look for? Now, I want to challenge you here to think about this. We, we have some great political things going on in our society today, do we not? And what I want to challenge you is, who is moving toward life and who is moving toward death? Why do you think abortion is such a highly charged political issue? Because there is 
a group of people in our society that believe that they have the power over life and death. I was just going through some articles and found out that this, uh, there was a young man that helped a girl hang herself and commit suicide. And he just got a prison sentence, five years to life. That's sad. You ought to take a guy like that and lock him up forever. You don't help someone commit suicide. You can't. It's called murder. It's moving toward death. We live in a world that's fascinated with death. We have all these weird, gruesome, demonic horror stories about people dying and dead spirits and all of these things. Hey, in Him is life. You know what life is? Life is light, is it not? How many of you remember the story of those men? I think it was in... um, was either in Peru or Chile that were trapped in the mine for 30-some days. Some of them were up mid-chest in icy cold water for for weeks. I, I don't know how they survived. And they finally drilled a hole to get some air and communication down there. And, and these men were just trapped miles under the ground in total darkness. And they drilled a hole and they began pulling them out one by one, by one. I don't think anybody died. It was an amazing story. We have hospitals in this city where at one end of the hospital, they will do anything to keep you alive. And on the other end of the hospital, they bring in living, healthy children. The only problem is they're still in their mother's womb and they have no protection under the law. Can I challenge you? God is the God of life. Do you understand that's why the 9-11 hijackers were willing to sacrifice themselves? Because their God is not a God of life. Their God's not a God that creates we, we are battling with uh, many, many young men preparing for the ministry and they're, they're falling prey to Calvinism and, and some of these doctrines and, and that are out there, false doctrines that are out there and they're always moving. You see, they can't, the Calvinists cannot create anything. The, only, the reason they call them Protestants is because they protested against the Catholics. The Calvinists first stole people from the Catholic Church. You know what they're doing today? They're stealing people from Baptist churches and other Protestant churches. And they're stealing people out of all kinds of things. They're, they're not making any new disciples because they don't believe in soul winning, though they say they do. They, they believe that people are elected before the foundation of the world. We don't have a choice. And we can't know that we're saved. But we can't lose it. So it's a good thing. We'll just have to throw up our hands and 
what was that Alfred Hitchcock movie? Kesara, Sarah, whatever, what will be, will be. Uh, that's, that's the attitude of those who are moving away from life. If you're moving toward life, how many of you remember the day you got saved? What you did was you took a step toward life, didn't you? You see, that's what this passage, that's what the ministry of Jesus Christ is all about. Later in the book of John, he's going to say, I came to give you life and that life more abundantly. Uh, verse 5 is one of, just one of the, those verses that you should have memorized, that you should remember. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Darkness has never ever put out the light. The light has always removed the darkness. Light will always remove darkness. There is no darkness in this world that puts out the light. And you need to understand that because our world is getting darker and darker, isn't it? And there's more and more wickedness in this world and it seems like we uh, are, are losing the battle, and yet the Bible says men shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to hold forth the word of life. It's the only light in a dark world. How many of you remember stumbling through life, just trying to figure out what it all meant before you got saved? You remember that? Hoping that what you were doing was the best. I mean, you listened and people told you what you were doing was supposed to work, and yet you knew in your heart, just like the rich young ruler. Why was he asking Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Because he knew he didn't have it. And what did Jesus tell him? Keep the law. Keep the Ten Commandments. Boy, that's good preaching in most Protestant churches today, is it not? Even though most of them couldn't name you more than three or four. Uh, The Ten Commandments. He said, but I've done that. You know what he just said? I know you cannot inherit eternal life by keeping the Ten Commandments. That's what he just said. That was Jesus' message. Why did Jesus approach it that way? Because he wanted him to say it. Because there's only one way to life. And that's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has never lost a soul. That ought to be comforting to your heart. That ought to encourage you in this world in which we live. That the light shineth into darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. This is the beginning. This is the gospel. This is what happened during creation. And this is what happens every day in God's creation for those who follow His Word. You see, the Word still is. He was, is, 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 and always will be is. Amen? Jesus is Always, present tense. He had no beginning, no end. There is no changing of His person, of His being. And if we're going to have life, 
we're going to have to get it from the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he gives life, no one can take it away from us. No one can darken our eyesight if we will keep our hearts and our minds focused on the Word of God. Now we're going to get a summary of the entire gospel message. All four books in just a few verses. In verses 6 through 14, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name which were born not of blood, neither of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is a summary of the entire gospel message, the entire story of Jesus. There was a man sent from God. His name was John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the first preacher. He had been in the deserts. And, and you know, John just had a... um, You might want to just check that nursery there, Andrew. Um, John had some things about him that would just not... uh, 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 Encourage a lot of people to spend time with John. Uh, his lunch was locust and wild honey. The wild honey might not be bad, but, uh, you know, I, I've read articles about how being a man, you should eat bugs and all that kind of stuff. That That's just not for me. I, that does not define manliness. Uh, I just thank the Lord I've never been that hungry. And when I go out in the woods, if I have the opportunity of getting lost and remaining there a little longer than I plan, I usually have something in my knapsack to tide me over just in case. Uh, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not into the roots and, uh, roots and bugs and worms and all that kind of stuff. We'll let that for other people. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. His job was simply to tell others who Jesus is. He was not that light. He was sent to bear witness of that light. John was the bridge. He was the connector between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament ends with the prophecy of Malachi that God is going to send Elijah and and he's going to come back and he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children toward their fathers. You know... There had been a great disparage, uh, disparity in the children of Israel. It had been 400 years since they had a prophet give God's words. And then John, what was his message? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And I love to point this out. John baptized all of Jesus' disciples. 
Jesus did not baptize any of his own disciples. John baptized them all. Now, on the day of Pentecost, there were 3,000 people that got baptized. 3,000 men. Uh, did anybody rebaptize the disciples? Nope, they were the ones doing the baptism on the day of Pentecost. They got baptized in Jesus' name. The only problem was they didn't know who he was. They were looking forward to his coming. We do exactly the same thing as John the Baptist did. Only our perspective is down here and we're looking back at the empty cross and the empty tomb. We get baptized in Jesus' name because we know who He is and what He has done. And the, the connection there is simply, it's exactly the same thing. You know, I, 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 I do have a little tongue-in-cheek here, but I, there is a very important point. Uh, some preacher years ago came up with this, what would Jesus do? Well, you know, the only thing that Jesus did that you can do, if you'll stop and think about it, Go find a Baptist preacher and get baptized. That, that's the only thing that Jesus did that you can actually do. I can't open blind eyes. How many of you can be as patient with other people as Jesus was? Don't you wish that were true? Well, go James chapter 1. Patience comes by what? Tribulation. That's why we're not as patient as Jesus is, because we didn't suffer like he did. Aren't you glad? Amen? And so, John was there, and that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Now, people have tried to argue this point, but the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. All we have to do is look around. Any honest person knows that we as human beings are different than any other life form on this planet. Oh, they want to talk about how smart the dolphins are. Go swim if that's really what you want to do. But there's a difference. Dolphins are not humans. Oh, I'm sure that that little cute squeaking noise they make is some form of communication. Uh, but you know what? Dogs communicate too with their barks. Especially the wolves that travel in the packs and all of those things. They, they know what the birds communicate by flying around in circles and show where lunch just got killed by the uh, driver driving down the highway. And they, they can find all that stuff. Animals communicate, but they don't communicate like we do. They don't get their feelings hurt. They don't hold grudges. But somebody will say, elephants do. No, they just remember who did what. And uh, don't, ever, don't ever mess with an elephant. That's all you need to know. Or you'll end up a mess, right? And so, let's keep moving. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. God covered his greatness. 
He robed the eternal power and presence of Almighty God in human flesh. How did he do that? I don't know. The Bible just says that he did. That Jesus Christ is the very God of gods and yet the very man of man. Jesus is the God-man. He is God the Son, and yet He is the Son of God. And the Bible says that He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But then verse 12, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power. Do you get what it's saying there? You cannot transform yourself. This is the message of the Gospel. You cannot save yourself. This is the, the antithesis of every false religion. Every false religious teacher says, you can do it. I, I had a pocket full of Hall's cough drops uh, this morning. And now I got the really good ones, the fishermen's friends. that uh, uh, they're, they're, they're really strong and they help me keep talking when i am uh, got a head cold. But I, I opened one of those during the service this morning and it says, you got it in you. I'm sitting here, I'm getting worldly philosophy from a cough drop company. This is so absurd. I don't have it in me. God does. Amen? And if we will just come to the light, He will give you power to become His Son. He translates you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It is not the work of man. It is the work of God. That's verse 13. In verse 14 is the summary of the entire four Gospels. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What a description of the Lord Jesus Christ. Full of grace. That's unmerited favor. If you ever get discouraged and depressed, just stop and think about how patient God has been with you. That will encourage you. That will keep you going. You say, but I've messed up so many times. Jesus only died on the cross once. And that's good enough forever. Amen? He is light. And when you turn on the light, the darkness has got to go. The darkness never puts out the light. And Jesus always, He is full of grace. And He is full of truth. You're not going to find anything true that's not connected to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, mathematics aren't connected to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, wait a minute. What makes mathematics work? How come four plus four is always eight? It takes an accountant to figure out some devious way to make it equal something that it doesn't. uh, Or a politician, one of the two. But the simple truth is, we live in such an orderly society that we can define it and and calculate it on a calculator. Only someone with a lot of order could have put things 
together like that. This is the gospel. God. The Word was in the beginning with God, separate from Him, a separate person of the Trinity. And yet the Word was God. But He was made flesh. And He dwelt among us. And He's full of grace. And He's full of truth. And John says, I got to see Him. I got to walk with Him for three and a half years. The testimony that I am giving you is the testimony of the light of life. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you would work in our hearts. That we could know and understand who you are and your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we'll take.